one of the things that I, you know, did appreciate, um, you, you know, Jeff Bartel's got a real passion to make sure that if somebody ends up in a situation like what he experienced, that we as a family of churches wouldn't miss that. And so he was emphasizing uh, the aspect of serving in the mission alone. And, uh, and he clarified and made sure that we understood that, that, that obviously we're aiming at teams. You know, I, I've gotten a lot of feedback, like are we, are we wanting to send people out all by their lonesome? Um, you know, it's, Jeff made, even made the point, you know, it's not good that man's dwelling alone and two-fold cord, three-fold cord, and, and um, you know, the more the merrier. And, and so obviously we're aiming at training and sending teams, but at the point where somebody, you know, if God does separate someone out for a particular work, um, we, need to, we need to trust the Lord that we're gonna hear that, that we're gonna see that, and, and, and that can take place. Um, I, I, I think everybody that's considering missions should read the book Bruchko. Bruchko, okay? Um, it's my favorite book on missions. Bruchko did everything wrong. He didn't, huh? Bruchko, how do you spell that? Man, like, I gotta do everything? Uh, B-R-U-C-H-K-O maybe, I don't, bro, it's been 15 years, okay, uh, yeah, sorry. Um, Bruchko did everything wrong. I, I, like, literally, we would, have, we would have been having meetings to correct this cat, okay? He did everything wrong, but he was following God best he knew how, and his heart was set to, I want to honor the Lord in my life, I'm gonna serve him, and he had a call on his life to, to preach the gospel to indigenous people in South America, and God used him to turn the world upside down. And, you know, as a young man in ministry, uh, I realized, I came under conviction, you know, if we looked at the Apostle Paul or we looked at Moses, we would look at their flaws and we'd say, you're not ready yet. And so we gotta, we gotta be full of faith that God is at work in people. And so let's trust the Lord. If, if someone is supposed to do something all by their lonesome, we'll, we'll hear that, we'll know that. But we're gonna aim at teams, obviously. We're gonna aim at sending people out two by two in small groups and teams. That's what we're trusting the Lord to do. That's what we've designed and, and, and we're gonna go for that. The biblical evidence, uh, it, it, it's there. Now, in terms of personal application, I was just reminded as Jeff was speaking, you know, and I'm, and I'm so grateful for the way that God led Jeff and, and uh, used him. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. God's done him, and he's continuing to do a mighty work through him. It, you know, I, I pray that, that for everyone, you take it to heart that if you're going to be used to multiply ministry, you have to, you have to come to the place where you're in no matter what, no matter who, okay? Uh, you know, you're a disciple. You're gonna follow, no turning back. Though none go with you, still you will follow. Um, when God burdened my heart for Midtown, whenever I, I, two years in a row, I went forward and I surrendered my life to make disciples in the urban core of our city, and the, the point that I made to the Lord is I'm in, you'll have to guide, you'll have to set it up, and I don't care if I go by myself. 
right? I'm in. <laughs> uh, if nobody else will make disciples in the urban core, then so help me God by your grace. I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna do it. Uh, you have to come to that place of personal consecration that no matter what, no matter what that looks like, you're down, right? You are, you, are, you are down to get down and jam in ministry, even if it's just you and Jesus. Uh, that, has to be, that has to be at the core of your motivation. He's worth it. And so I, don't, don't, don't get confused. Uh, you know, I, again, just several people bringing feedback on that. Jeff was not advocating that a team approach to ministry uh, isn't the biblical model. He literally said the opposite of that. <laughs> you know, he, he literally affirmed the team approach to ministry. And so, just, I, I don't want there to be any uh, confusion. Grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 25. I was trusting the Lord for just a, a word, uh, a short word from him on, on how to wrap up this year's conference. And uh, I think it's the parable of the servants and the talents. I think we need to take a minute and look at it. Now, before we get into Matthew chapter 25, you need to know that the judgment seat of Christ is coming and you will stand face to face with your creator. Your eyes will see his eyes. You're gonna speak, your ears will hear his voice. His ears are gonna hear your voice. You're gonna give an account for what you did with your life, your time, your talent, your resources. You're gonna, you're gonna talk to him about that. Um, we're, we, we mentioned this on Tuesday night, uh, what we need to do this next year, we need to finish Genesis, we need to, or maybe it was last Sunday, we need to finish Genesis, we need to, we need to um, have another emphasis soon on our nine ministry principles. It's been a while since we've, we've hit that. We need to jump back into Proverbs and keep looking at wisdom from on high, daily wisdom for daily living, and, and so, you know, all of those things. But we need a prophecy series. And one of the things that hit me was I've never taught the five crowns here. And so we need to include that in our, in our, in our prophecy series. You know, you, yeah, yeah, did you know there's five crowns in your Bible? Okay, we don't have time to get into that this morning, but I just thought I'd just drop that out there and be thinking about that. But let me just tell you, above everything, what you wanna hear from Jesus are two words. Well done. That's what you wanna hear. That's the ultimate commendation for the believer. In Philippians chapter two, verse 16, Paul talking about the coming day of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. The command is that we're to be holding forth the word of life as disciples. Why? Here's the, here's the, here's the mindset of the discipler, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. You've got so many people who are, are, are born again Christians and they're living their life with, I mean, it's just full of empty pursuits. Uh, it's vain pursuits, and what they're gonna produce is emptiness, nothingness, at the judgment seat of Christ. So how do I ensure that I don't run in vain or labor in vain? First Corinthians chapter three, verse 12 says, again, describing the trial of the judgment seat of Christ, every work 
that you've produced as a believer, it's gonna be examined by fire. First Corinthians three verse 12 says, now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, and, and again, we don't have time to get into it, but here it is, your relationship with Christ, because you've believed on the gospel of Jesus Christ, what are you building on that foundation, right? That foundation of your salvation, and you check out Ephesians chapter four, and you find out we're built on the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, uh, the preachers, right? The pastors and the, preacher, and the teachers. Okay, that, that doctrinal foundation, you've been discipled, so you have a relationship with Christ, now you have the word of Christ, what are you now building with that? And, and so gold, silver, precious stones, everything from your relationship to God, gold and silver, to your investment of that relationship into the lives of people. Okay, we are the precious stones that God builds together for his habitation. And so that's the picture there. Everything that you do is put through a judgment fire and it's just tried, it's, it's, it's tested. What sort of work is it? Is it, for, is it a work that produces an eternal weight of glory? Well, it's gonna look like gold, silver, precious stones. And then you've got the temporal works that will be consumed, wood, hay, and stubble. If you're building a, a transitory life for yourself using transitory materials, wood, hay, and stubble, right? If your whole life is built on making a, a house of cards for yourself, a, a life of ease for yourself, in this world, well you won't, you won't bring any of that with you into Christ's kingdom. Verse 13 says, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Your sin was already judged by God 2,000 years ago at Calvary, okay? Your, your ability to find a place in heaven is not what is being judged here. That was decided at Calvary. And did you submit to Christ as your Savior and Lord? Did you believe on the gospel? Did you receive the forgiving, uh, the forgiveness of, of, of God because you're trusting in Christ as your sin bearer? Do you believe on the gospel? So all of that was dealt with 2,000 years ago. But now as a Christian, your service is examined. And it's either Right, the works that you produce in this life, they end up going up in smoke, or you take them with you into eternity. Verse 14 says, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive what? A reward. There are rewards possible. There are rewards, right, potentially available to you when you meet the Creator. Will you receive reward? Again, one of the things that we talked about is those five crowns, right? Those five crowns, uh, five crowns possible. Uh, souls are a reward for you in the, in, the, in the judgment seat of Christ. And so, you know, if the work abides, if what you did was investing your relationship with God, the word of God, the redemption you find in Christ, when you invest that into the souls of other people, uh, that lasts for eternity. We have a saying that we bring up quite frequently. There are only two things that last forever, and that's the word of God and the souls of men. And he or she who is wise will invest the one in the other. Right? That's how you want to position your life, to invest the word of God into the souls of men. Because that's 
That's the key to reward at the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Loss of what? Reward, right? Loss of those works. But he himself shall be saved. Once you're saved, you're doomed to heaven. There's no getting around that. But you can go in ashamed, right? He himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. We joke about this. Uh, from time to time, you know, some people go to heaven smelling like hell, you know. <laughs> he shall be saved, yet so as by fire. You want to hear well done, thou good and faithful servant. You want to hear well done at the judgment seat of Christ. If you, I mean, if you, go ahead and do it. Grab your phone, pull up your Bible app, plug in the phrase, right? Uh, quote, well done, end quote, and it will show up in your search results, how many times? Is anybody doing it? Braden's going as fast as he can. Four times, just shows up four times. So let's do a, let's do a short phrase study, well done. Now let's see what we can learn from that this morning. Grab your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 25. Once you see those four cross-references, you already know where I'm gonna go with this. Uh, charge. Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name, and Lord, we want to ask that you'd give us insight from your word. Uh, with all my heart, I want to hear you say well done to every member of Midtown Baptist Temple. And so, Lord, would you use today to help that result fall out, right, come to fruition and reality in the life of every member Lord, I'm asking this not because I deserve it or I've earned it. Uh, I ask it pleading the the shed blood of Christ at Calvary. Uh, Lord, you gave everything to purchase us to yourself. And so God, please have your way in our hearts and lives today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 25, verse 14, Jesus tells this story. He says, the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, one talent. To every man according to his several ability. Okay, so pay attention to that. Some guys can handle a lot of resources and manage them well. Some more moderate. They've got a more moderate capacity. And some people can just do one thing at a time. Uh, That's me, by the way. Like if there's a description, I'm that one talent guy. Uh, I can't multitask, I can't, uh, you know, one thing at a time. Okay, so some of us were in the one talent camp. Watch this. He gave to everyone, right, every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same. He put those resources to work. He traded with the same and made them other five talents. He doubled the investment. And likewise, he that received, had received two, he also, what did he do? Well, he traded with those two talents and then he made of them, right? He also gained other two. But he that had received the one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. And his Lord said unto him, here it is, there's that phrase, what? Well done. 
Well done, thou good and faithful servant, for thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So five talents, we find out that five talents are, are, are how many things from this passage? Five talents are a, huh? There are a few things. Do you see that in the text? It's just a few things. The Lord entrusts to his servant just a little bit. It's a small job. Is everybody, is everybody with me on that? Thou hast been faithful over a few things. You're the guy that he gave the most to. Five, you're a five-talent servant. Uh, I just gave you a few things. So there it is. Okay, now watch the next one. So I'll make the, you had a few things, you were faithful with a few things, I'm gonna make you ruler over many things. I'm gonna trust you with a lot more. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I've gained two other talents beside them. And look at the Lord's response to that. I mean, here's a guy with less than half the capacity but he's doing the exact same thing with what he has as the high-functioning, high-capacity servant did, right? He doubled the investment. And so what does he say to him? His Lord said unto him, there's that phrase again, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over what? A few things. Okay, so from God's perspective, five talents, two talents, come on, it's all the same. It's just a few things, isn't it? Whether you're a five-talent guy or you're a two-talent gal, whatever it is. Oh, did I say that wrong? Whether you're a five-talent gal or a two-talent guy. Okay, whatever it is, whatever you are. Okay, that's just, you, it's not like you've been given something that you can't be faithful with. It's just a few things. And then look at what he says to him. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over what? He gets the same reward as the five-talent guy. <laughs> Many things. You've been faithful with little, I'm gonna give you much. I will make thee ruler over many things, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not stride. And since I was afraid I'd mess this up, right, I was afraid, I went and hid thy talent in the earth, lo, there thou hast, uh, there thou hast that is thine. Uh, I, didn't lose your, I didn't lose your investment, right? I buried it, you have it, you have exactly what you purchased, uh, I, I kept it safe for you. Now he didn't multiply that investment, he didn't do what the five talent and the two talent servants did. Uh, he was afraid and so he hid what he had and so here's the Lord's response, verse 26. His Lord answered and said unto him, thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore have put my money to the exchangers, then at my coming I'd have, I should have received mine own with usury. You could have at least put it in the stock market and I could have gotten some interest on it, right? You could have at least had a bank loan it out so that I could have, I could have made something on my investment. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath 10 talents. Okay, so right there, you do see a subtle difference. The five-talent guy uh, does actually get an extra blessing, right? Don't miss that. Uh, there are, I mean, read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You see this systemically throughout uh, the, 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 the future 
uh, kingdom of Christ, there are varying weights of glory. Uh, so we'll need to talk about that when we, when we, somebody needs to be taking notes and send those to me. We need to talk about that when we look at our prophecy series. There are varying weights of glory in Christ's kingdom. Here are the key elements. This is what I want you to see from this passage. Number one, multiplication is commended. It's the multiplication that takes place that the Lord commends. Both faithful servants doubled the investment. So here's the picture, what you're giving, right? What God has given you, what you've been given must be multiplied. That investment of the word of God, the gospel of Christ, the person of Christ in your life, right? The person of Christ, the word of Christ is now indwelling your life. That investment needs to multiply into the lives of other people. You have been given a relationship with God. You've been given the word of God. And you've been given time, talent, resources. These things need to multiply the Lord's portfolio. If you don't properly invest, if you're a financial advisor, people, somebody hands you 100 bucks and you turn that into 10, you're, gonna, you're actually gonna go hungry real quick. People will stop giving you their money because you're a, te- you're a terrible investor, right? People give you money to multiply it. Well, this is, this is what we're talking about. The Lord has given us an incredible, precious possession that must be multiplied for his glory. You were given the gospel, you were given the great commission, so go make disciples. Multiply his investment. So multiplication is commended. Notice faithfulness is commended. Look at the response, right? The guy that does five. Well done, thou good and what? Faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. Says the same thing to the two-talent guy, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. Faithfulness is commended. So get this down in your notes, okay? What they did determined their description. The Lord titles these servants, thou good and faithful service. What they did resulted in their description and how they were titled by the Lord. Guess what? You're gonna carry the same thing. You're gonna stand before the creator. You're gonna give an account, you're gonna give an account of the life that he gave you, the salvation that he entrusted to you through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your time, your talent, your energy, your resources. What did you do with the great commission that he gave you? You're gonna give an account for that. You're either good and faithful, and if you're good and faithful, the result is be thou ruler over many things. Well, believers in Jesus Christ who are faithful with that investment rule and reign with him in his kingdom. In Romans chapter eight, verse 16 says that God's spirit, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Everyone who gets God is an heir of God forever. Once you have God in your life, you get to have God in your life for all of eternity. There are no, your works do not affect that reality in any way. Good, bad, ugly, beautiful, your works cannot affect that relationship that you have with Christ because the finished work of Christ at Calvary determined everything. But what you did with that salvation, okay, did you 
follow after Christ? Did you take up your cross, deny yourself, and did you follow after Jesus as a disciple, as a learner of him? Were you obedient to his call on your life? Because you're only a joint heir, you're, if you're saved, you're an heir of God, but you're only a joint heir with Christ if you suffer with him. This is why the cry of the Apostle Paul, right, the pinnacle of Christian living, uh, it's what our sister just shared to, to, uh, this morning about, you know, it's not my will, right, it's not my comfort, it's not my convenience. To enter into the fellowship of Christ's suffering is everything. Remember the apostles were, 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 were persecuted. Uh, they counted it, they rejoiced, they counted it joy to be worthy to suffer for Christ in his name. You're joint heirs with Christ if you suffer with him and you'll be glorified together with him. This is Paul's perspective on it in verse 18. He says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That day's coming and the Bible's consistent on this. You see that principle consistently in the New Testament. The other clear place that it shows up though is in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 11. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Once you've got God in your life, you have life forever. Right? You have God forever. That's verse 11, salvation. Verse 12, though, talks about your sanctification, about your willingness to take up your cross and follow after Christ. Verse 12 says, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. So reigning is conditional on your willingness to be a faithful steward, a faithful servant, your willingness to suffer. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, deny him what? The fellowship of his suffering. We're not talking about salvation, we're talking about sanctification, we're talking about following in obedience to his command. Well, he'll deny us. What, salvation? No, compare your, I mean, compare scripture with scripture, okay? Cross-reference your Bible like, you're, like it tells you to. You cannot lose your salvation, but you can lose a position of ruling and reigning with Christ in his kingdom. He'll deny us ruling and reigning with him. Verse 13, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Notice with the unjust steward, his fear is condemned, okay? The, the multiplication and faithfulness of the just stewards, that's commended, right? That is, that is, that is complimented and it's rewarded. But the fear of this other, this one talent servant, his fear is condemned. Second Timothy 1.7 gives us insight into why. God never gave us a reason to fear. He's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, the mature believer in Jesus Christ recognizes that not even death can separate them from the love that's in Christ. Uh, at some point, you recognize your life is not sourced in your flesh or in this present world. Your life is hid in Christ. He is your life. And that, I mean, once the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ is indwelling you, uh, you are to mature to a place where you are fearless. Now, the flesh is gonna always feel moments of fear, right? You're always gonna feel that. Uh, what do we do with the flesh? We mortify it because we don't obey it anymore, right? It doesn't call the shots anymore. I can say no to that guy and yes to that guy, right? What, a, what an incredible thing. 
God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And just like the just, right, the faithful and righteous servants, what they did described them, same thing with this wicked servant, what he did, this fearful servant, what he did determined his description. He was afraid of blowing it, and so he kept his mouth shut. He was afraid of blowing it, so he didn't actually go out there and make a business deal. He hid the talent, he hid the investment. And so what did the Lord call him? Thou wicked and lazy, thou wicked and slothful servant. What he did determined how his Lord described him. Brothers and sisters, you're gonna get a title at the judgment seat of Christ co-regent with Christ or loser, <laughs> right? I mean, what? look at 1 Corinthians chapter three again. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer what? Loss. He himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. What he did determined his description, thou wicked and slothful servant. And so the result now is loss for him. Okay, so there's our first two mentions, and that just lays it out there in a nutshell. The other two mentions give you the commentary over what we're seeing. How do we apply this to our lives, okay? What did the Lord say to both the righteous, the faithful, and the wicked servant, uh, to the faithless servant? What did he say to all these guys? Well, first he told them to occupy, to be faithful until his return. He gave them a commission. They were to multiply his resources until his return. And so the next time this phrase, well done, shows up, uh, it's actually coming out of the mouth of a Gentile centurion. Look at, just turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. So in Matthew's story, the Lord gives, the fa- that gives these three servants a job to do. He gives them a commission. They're to multiply his resources until he returns. So get this down in your notes. The first command to servants of the Lord is get to work. Work is your next blank. Put your, put your hand to the plow, right? Go endeavor. Go speculate in the market of humanity. Let's trust the Lord to see souls saved and disciples made. Let's trust God to do what only God can do. Put your hand to the plow. See, what you have, the seed of God's word, you have the living word of God you must give, you must sow it into the hearts and lives of people. You must trust God to see it bear fruit. Read the, read the parable of the sower and the seed. The seed is the word of God, the field is the world, and what are we doing? We're sowing the seed of God's word and some ground doesn't do well, other parts, right, other hearts do better. Man, some, flat bare fruit, it's a hundredfold return. Oh my goodness, that's, that's what we wanna see in ministry. What we're doing is we're trusting God to see what he's invested in us multiply for his glory in the hearts and lives of people. So here's how it breaks down for Peter. In Acts chapter 10, you, know, you guys know the story. Uh, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Man, there's pigs in that blanket, I can't do that. And uh, the Lord has to chew him out a little bit. Like, don't, don't call common and clean what I'm, uh, eat what I, eat, okay, he's, God's a good dad. Eat what I tell you, boy. And if you don't eat it, guess what you're having for supper? Pigs in a blanket. And if you can't eat it at supper, 
Guess what's for breakfast? Pigs in a blanket. I mean, eventually you're going to eat that pig. <laughs> okay, so, so he has the vision and he's still processing that and then here comes the, you know, here comes the, 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 the group from the centurion. So Peter goes back to meet Cornelius. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 25. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his, Peter's feet, and worshiped him. But Peter took him up, saying, stand up. I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, you know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come in unto one of another nation, but God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. <laughs> That's gotta be an awkward conversation, but there it is. Therefore I came unto you without gainsaying as soon as I was sent for. I asked therefore, for what intent have you sent for me? And Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard and thine alms are had in remembrance in sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. And he lodged in the house with one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Immediately therefore I send unto thee, and thou hast what? Thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore, we are all here, present before God, to hear all the things that are commanded, are commanded, of thee, are commanded thee of God. Uh, we're, ready to, we're ready to hear what God told you to say. Okay, do you see the picture? So Peter, God has, he's the servant. God's made the investment. The talent has been invested into his heart and life. He's got the spirit of Christ. He's got the word of Christ. He's got the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has this treasure hid in an earthen vessel. Here he is now, the son of God. He is to hold forth the word of life. It's to shine as a light in the darkness. He has a responsibility to sow the seed of God's word. Well, he's focused on Jerusalem and Judea. And God is, I mean, Peter's got the keys. He's gotta go open the door for the gospel to go into the hearts and lives of the Gentiles. And so God has to educate him. As Soon as he gets the education, then he gets the call to go and preach the gospel. He doesn't know it, he's just, he's just submitting based on what he, the data he got from the Lord. Once he gets there, these guys are like, God says you've got a message for us, we wanna hear it. And what is the commentary? Well done, thou hast well done, thou hast well done that thou art come. So what, brothers and sisters, we're just like Peter, what are you doing with your life, your time? Do well, get to work with us spreading, sowing the seed of God's word in our city, in our country, in the nations of this world. The world, the field is the world. Let's take the investment that God's given us and let's try to do some business. Let's go speculate in the market of humanity. Let's trust God to see that investment multiply. Get to work with us making disciples because that's a key Peter's obedience to do what he was told was key to him hearing, well done. Well, nothing's changed in 2,000 years. Your obedience to go and preach the gospel, those that respond, we teach them, that we baptize them, we teach them all things whatsoever the Lord has commanded. 
right? We teach them the word of God from Genesis to Revelation and we teach them how to use it, the word of God in the lives of people and then we trust the Holy Spirit to superintend them going, whether that's right here in our city or to, I mean, Nairobi, Laramie, Golden, Colorado, Tampa, Lee Summit, uh, Saigon, that ministry will multiply. This is key to hearing well done at the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, now you remember Matthew's story, verse 27, what did the Lord say to the wicked servant? What did he say to him? Verse 27, thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. In other words, why didn't you put your resources with those that know what to do with them? Why didn't you at least do that? So there's a personal, don't miss this, there's a personal responsibility, but another way to strategically support the kingdom of God is through our resources. You're a steward of God, you need to be faithful with what God has entrusted to you. You're not your own, you're bought with a price. Too many people think, it's my time, it's my gifting, it's my resources, it's my money, it's my stuff. You don't own any of it. The Lord put you in charge of it to manage it all for his glory. I don't belong to even, like I don't even belong to me. <laughs> I'm not my own. I don't get to do with my life what I want to do with it. I don't, have, I don't have just the autonomy and the latitude to do whatever I want with my life. I have to live to glorify God in my body and my spirit because they're the Lord's, they're not mine. Well, so also with every believer, you don't own your time, you don't own your resources, you don't own your stuff, you don't own your wallet, you don't own your bank account, you don't own your job. You are there to manage them. You're there in the Lord's stead making sure it all works out, it all falls out to his glory. Oh, pastor, well, I, I just ought to deed everything over the church. Don't be dumb. God put you in charge of that stuff. He puts you in charge of your life. He puts you in charge of your wallet. He puts you in charge of your job. How are you gonna invest it so he can get his own with usury? Well, okay, here it is. It's put your resources where it'll do the work. You ought to put my money to the exchangers. They knew what to do with the money. Okay, so that's the other example. The Apostle Paul, check out, turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter four. So the first commentary, how this parable can apply to our life, this story, well, that was Peter, okay? But the next one comes from Paul. And look at Philippians chapter four, verse 10. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith, with that state, to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. I mean, when you know ultimately your retirement package includes uh, a, a, a mansion, right? Room in your father's house in a city that's like the size of two-thirds, three-fourths of North America cubed. I mean, it's a sweet pad, okay? <laughs> like, that's part of your, uh, you can rough it for Jesus for a few years, okay? I know, how to, I know how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, and this is what he tells the church at Philippi, notwithstanding, ye have what? Well done, 
How did they do well? This fourth time this phrase shows up, why? Notwithstanding ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. These guys were supporting their missionary, the Apostle Paul, and they were funding that ministry. They were actually helping him whenever he, I mean, he's suffering, he's in prison. He is enduring the hardship of being a steward of the mysteries of Christ. And they got behind him in that. Hey, you know, they, they gave their resources in a strategic way, knowing that it was gonna multiply ministry. They're doing it at home, but they're also helping others do it. Why, because God's heart, remember this is what we talked about on Sunday, what, let's give God what he asked for in his first coming. If we're gonna celebrate Christmas, let's give Jesus what he asked for. What did he ask for? The world. Wants a big job, okay, so we talked about that last week. <laughs> so we wanna start right here, but then we wanna trust the Lord that this work will multiply strategically. Missionaries gotta eat. Okay, so this is the sign, right? Mission focus, pray, prepare, uh, give is what goes in your blank in the notes. Give and go. Pray, prepare, give and go. What are you doing with your resources? That's another key to hearing well done. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter four, verse two. You're a steward, and as the Lord's steward, it is required of you that you be found what? Fearful? Hiding out? Can I just tell you, here it is at the, you know if you're just starting out, because this is where you're at. I still wrestle with the same thing. You know, it's, I'm, I'm kind of at the, I'm at the point in my life where, you know, I can yell at kids, get off my lawn, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, you like, the older you get, the less you're worried about other people's feelings, you know. Um, I don't know why that is, I, pray for me. Okay, so, <laughs> I do care, <laughs> but, uh, uh, what, 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 what happens, we fall into the trap, what, what are we thinking? It's like, I, man, I don't, I don't wanna blow it with this person. I, want them, I desperately want them to be saved, but I can't tell if they're willing to hear my presentation of the gospel, and so I'm afraid I'm gonna mess that up. Okay, what do you do? You know? So instead of being bold and just saying, hey, can I tell you what God did in my life, and just lay the gospel out, you're like, ah, no, they're gonna be, they're gonna be offended. I, I, don't, I don't wanna be the guy that turns somebody off from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now for the rest of their life, they don't wanna hear it because I blew my presentation. Has anybody ever felt that? You know, that just that fear, you're gonna mess somebody up if you just endeavor, okay? Well, be a fisher of men, okay? Be wise, be crafty, just throw some chum out and just see what happens, uh, just, just Trust the Lord to use you to make those comments. It's, it's called bait, right? You're just chumming the water. You, why, because you want to go fishing for souls. And in, set, in, in settings, just throw out, you know, it's like, oh, that reminds me of something I learned in church. You know, or man, God's been so good to me. You just start throwing out these statements that inform people who have ears to hear that you actually got the hookup. You got the inside track on something, and so you're trusting the Lord for ways to chum the water. What are you doing? You're just checking door handles. Is, are any of these an open door, right? And the people that want to discuss spiritual things with you, jump in, be bold. Give them the gospel, and some of them, it's gonna offend them. They are gonna reject it, and they'll reject you. Um, they're really rejecting Christ, Christ in you, your obedience to Christ. Man, be bold, be full of faith. It'd be better for someone to trip over us before they go to hell, right? <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't wanna just let them go 
and not, not clue him in. I want him to trip over me on the way. I don't want to spend all of eternity upset that I didn't, I didn't endeavor, I didn't attempt. Fasting and praying for the lost is so powerful. You'll say, this person, there's no way they're open to the message of the gospel. Uh, you, get, you get on your knees. You get desperate before the Lord on their behalf. God will open doors. Um, man, we, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do the spiritual logic. People need the Lord. Do you love them? God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life, eternal forever life with God. We need God's heart, don't we? But here it is. I mean, another way to be effective and hear well done, you're managing your time, your resources, is the totality of it, the totality of it being invested in Christ's kingdom. Man, God help us to be wise. There are missionaries that are fundraising, they're trusting the Lord to reproduce what we're doing here around the world. Uh, when that happens, you wanna pray sincerely. Okay, Lord, you see my budget. How can I be a part? LFBI, uh, we charge $40 a credit hour. Um, I'm, 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 you know, we're, we're, it's inevitable. We're gonna have to raise it a little bit, but it's not gonna be, we're never gonna be a school that's charging $300, $400 a credit hour. That's not gonna happen. Finances cannot come between, you know, a future minister and their, and their equipping for ministry. And so, you know, we gave that report last Sunday. The, 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 the work of the Bible school is a strategic ministry multiplier. Yeah, you wanna support missionaries. You wanna support them to go and reproduce ministry around the world, but you also wanna support the training of scores, maybe hundreds, I mean, if the Lord tarries, thousands of future pastors and missionaries. Pray about that, put that before the Lord. Put it, Paul's, Paul's commendation, right, the well done is, you knew what to do with your resources. You made sure that they impacted the planet through the multiplication of the gospel ministry. Well done. Everybody with me? Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Lord, I'm asking that we would all take stock, that we would all do an audit of our life. If you came today, if the, if the trumpet sounded right here, right now, at the conclusion of this service, and we're all translated, we're all raptured, we're all <laughs> caught up together to meet you in the clouds, and, and then we continue on, uh, we get, we get uh, you know, put up, established in heaven, and, and then it's time for the judgment seat. Lord, will we hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or will we hear from our Savior, our King, and our Lord, wicked and slothful? God, I'm just asking that you would work in our hearts and our lives, that, that you would speak to us, every member of the church. I'm, I, I don't know how to make us I don't know how to make 
in and of myself, uh, individuals fruitful for you. I know what your word says, and I'm saying that, (laughs) but Lord, at the end of the day, you have to apply your word to the hearts and lives of your children, they're your kids, and Lord, I'm praying your blessing over their life, that you would have your way, that your will would be worked out to your glory. So God, I pray that you would dismiss us with your blessing. But Lord, I pray that it would be under the conviction that we need to continually examine ourselves. Are we all in on your mission? Are we, will we be found faithful? Are we, are we strategically investing in the work Does my time, do my dollars, everything from who I am and what I'm doing to what I have, is it it all making an impact for the glory of Christ? And and a lot of those resources have to be spent on our families. We've got discipleship ministries at home. We're training up children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Uh, They can't be distracted by physical need when we're trying to train them up in the nurture and admonition of you and your word. So Lord, we ask for wisdom from on high. Make us faithful stewards. Make us good and faithful stewards that you commend at the judgment seat of Christ. I ask it in Jesus' name, amen.